You brown coats, eh? Following podcast features spoilers for the movie Serenity. What I do is evil. This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most ghastly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Ben, and this week's movie is Joss Whedon's sci-fi cult classic, Serenity. So, slip on your brown coat, sprinkle your western drawl with Chinese expletives, and let's get Diabolical. Hello and welcome to the show. As usual, I'm here with three of the verses Rutinist, Tutinist, Guns for Hire, otherwise known as the Panel of Peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us your favourite Joss Whedon creation. And we'll go in alphabetical order. Hello, dear listeners. It is Adam here. And my favourite Joss Whedon creation has to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Tops everything else for me. He's done loads of great stuff, but it's the one I bloody love. So there we go. Lovely. Craig here. And what's that name? AKA Counter Thank you. <laughs> Give yourself a compliment. You, no, no, you have to <laughs> d- d- say something derogatory about yourself. <laughs> oh, you're so forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> Counter here. And, uh, Based on the name, blur. It would be no surprise to you that my favourite Joss Whedon is also Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But because I'm one of the people who could probably speak a bit more left field about things that he's done, I'll also give an honourable mention to TV's Angel, which was a spin-off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which uh, I also really liked. Yeah, that was great too. Mm-hmm. Of course, you I think you were the one that got us all into those, both of those, Catacular. Yeah, I'm not sure why I started watching it. I think that I, I had always wanted to watch the movie, actually, and never got around to seeing it. But when I was a kid and used to go to Blockbuster, I'd see the Buffy the Vampire Slayer poster on the wall, and something about it just seemed really different. I know what that is now. So it stirred in your loins, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Christy Swanson. <laughs> I said a lump in my groins whenever I saw that goddamn poster. I didn't know what it was at the time. <laughs> was that your sexual awakening? Yeah. Stake in the hand. I mean, she's no Annika Rice, but... <laughs> I don't know, if you see her in the Phantom Slam Evil like I did for the first time this week. But uh, no, that wasn't it. It, I I understand what it was now, and it was that, as he intended, in every other horror film, the blonde girl's the victim. And on this one, she was the hero on the poster, and the guy was cowering behind her. Yeah. But yeah, when the TV series came around, I think we got it on BBC Two over here, and I just thought, I'll check this out. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, after that, I started buying it up on VHS, and you'd get the whole like half a season in the box set and it would be on before the TV broadcast. So that's how we started watching it. Right. Gabonio. And I'm Gaz and my favourite Joss Whedon creation is also Buffy, but I'm going to be a touch more specific and say the season four episode called Hush, which is in the main part free of dialogue due to villains that steal everybody's voices. And it has Sander doing a, a wanky motion. Funny. I think no, that's Buffy that does that. Buffy does the wanky motion. Yeah, for staking. Oh, yeah, um, mm. Staking them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> my favourite episode is the season four finale where everybody falls asleep and it's all dreams. And it's the first media I'd ever seen where it felt like a dream to me. The way they navigate through all the different places and the sense of time and stuff. Uh, and the guy with the cheese. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's such a shame what's come out after. I suppose we should address it now at the start of all this. Yeah, um, I think we spoke about it in the Speed episode a bit, didn't we? We touched on it because he, he yeah. uh, had written a draft for that. Yeah. Not a good guy, as it turns out. No. Pretty bad guy, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty arsehole guy, yeah. But mm. for this, if the Peril Pals at home will allow us to separate art from the creator. Yes. Yeah, I, I would say as well, um, at the same time as Joss Whedon being revealed as a bastard, loads and loads of people have shared their stories of Sarah Michelle Gellar being an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. The worst betrayal of all that for a fan, I think, is that he made of himself this feminist man and he's the opposite predator. Hmm. I read an interview with him that was conducted in his home and he seemed yeah. out of it. Like had an out of body experience. Oh yeah, he was completely like saying, "I can't believe it. I can't earn any money. I can't work anymore." He was like, "He was." Yeah, was well, like, fuck you. Yeah, cry me a river. What planet are you living on? Welcome to the consequences <laughs> of your actions. I, I read exactly the same interview. I was like, "What on earth?" But oh well, I'm sure he's yeah, um, yeah. got well, more than enough money to be very comfortable for the rest of his life. The shit and quite a good legacy of work as well. To be fair, yeah. Yeah, I thought, Gaz, that knowing Buffy would be like the obvious pick, I thought you were maybe going to pick Avengers Age of Ultron. I hated it the last time I watched it. <laughs> Contrary fellow, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> we don't need to cover it for the podcast anymore. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't um, Cabin in the Woods his as well? Yeah. Cabin in the Woods is very good. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. Well, watch it again. You might hate it. A few months ago, you really loved Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> Fickle, aren't you? And my favourite Joss Whedon creation is the original Firefly series. It's just perfect comfort TV. I don't know how many times I've seen it through. I can watch it again and again and again. I think for a a 13 episode thing. 14. It has too much filler. There are some weak episodes you wouldn't expect in such a short run. Maybe if he'd known it would only be that long, that wouldn't have happened. But I do love it though. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's wonderful, isn't it? I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit anyways if we talk about the film and stuff anyway, won't we? So sure. I think yeah, we might. Yeah, we might. We might do that. <laughs> You want me to use the clamps? These clamps that I use? <laughs> okay, well, later we'll be competing to see who can come up with the most diabolical scheme oh, and earn shiny peril points for the diabolical leaderboard. Is that a fact? It is a fact. But first, let's take a closer look at this week's movie. Released in the wild, wild autumn of 2005, Serenity was Buffy creator Joss Whedon's first foray into movie direction, bringing together the original cast of the cancelled television series Firefly for one last outing. Upon release, it largely impressed critics that managed to recoup its $39 million budget at the box office. The film follows the Serenity, a Firefly-class spaceship captained by the rebellious yet noble Malcolm Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion, and home to a nomadic crew of mercenaries and wanderers whose life of petty crime has been upended since they took on Dr. Simon Tan 
and his troubled sister River. The crew finds themselves pursued through space by a deadly operative determined to capture River, who we learn is caught up in a conspiracy involving galactic superpower the Alliance, who will stop at nothing to get her back. Am I boring you there, guys? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Western, sci-fi, thriller and comedy all rolled into one, brought to life by a sprawling ensemble cast and twisting backstories first seeded in the show's original 14-episode run. The Guardian's Peter Bradshaw described it as having more energy in its little finger than Revenge of the Sith had in its whole bloated body. But does the panel agree? Gaz, if you could send a broadwave into the verse telling folk about this movie, what would it say? Uh, well, my broadwave would say that I still, for the most part, enjoyed it, but it's not flawless. I like the characterization and the characters, I think, is still very, very strong. They're all very unique, um, and the new characters work very well too, such as the operative, as the villain. Yeah. Even Fancy and Mingo are quite memorable. Mr. Universe, yeah, not so much a fan of him. But yeah, the characters on the whole are very good. The Reavers are very strong villains. But it's just, it's a lot of plot. Like, a good couple of seasons worth crammed into just over two yeah. hours, isn't it? It's a bit much. And I, I think mm. for anybody who hasn't seen the original series, it's it's probably going to be tough going. It's It's visually quite a big step up from the show too. In terms of the camera placement movement, lighting, etc., it's his best-looking film, Joss Whedon, better than either oh, the Avengers films yeah. or Much Ado About Nothing. Mm. But again, it doesn't quite have the same aesthetic as the series, which made it quite special. There's not really any crash scenes or lens flares or, or anything like that. The score's quite different too, yeah. not quite as memorable as it was on the show. So yeah, it's good, but I wouldn't say it's great. I'd I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And good. like you say, I think Whedon's really economical with his exposition in this, considering how much backstory there is. But because there's so much packed in, it's kind of, even if you, you switch off for a moment, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cautacula, what are your thoughts? Completely agree. In as many ways as it's a step up from the series, it also fails to live up to what I think the series would have been. I really like that they went back to the more or less rather quippy, silly characterization of Mal, which in the pilot he's much more like he is in the movie. I think it does a brilliant job of expanding the, on the themes of the series, themes of faith and liberty. It's shock full of quotable dialogue i don't know how the hell we're going to get through the favorite <laughs> lines bit but yeah i can only imagine it's like a dizzying experience for anyone who doesn't know the show like you say he's really economical with the storytelling he does a brilliant job in the opening scene which is back-to-back exposition and catch up on the story of simon yeah. and river and you know seeing the operative and seeing the ship and everything but maybe that's because i was already familiar with all that if i came into that fresh i think i'd just be bewildered and they'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? Give me a minute to, to catch up with what's going on here. Yeah. But on the whole, I really like it. Great. Turner? Yeah, a bit similar to what Gaz and Count Attacker have said. I really, really enjoyed it. It's been a while again since I've seen it. 
and straight away I was thinking about the series as I, I've got it on DVD and I watched it on DVD, managed to dig it out. So as I put the DVD in, I was thinking, how how is he going to do an exposition for all the shit that's happened in the series and, and try and get everybody in? And I was like, that's a, that's a monster task. And I couldn't remember how it started. And then there's, I think there's about a 20 second exposition on it. And I thought, oh, you know, fair play. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. straight away, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm in. I thought maybe it would have aged badly and maybe I wouldn't love it so much. And I thought the first maybe 25 minutes, half an hour were really dull. Mal and Simon were constantly arguing and having a pop at each other. I thought it was a load of bullshit. But then it takes off and I was like, here we go. This is what I remember loving about the series, that all the lines start coming. And I, I'm still quite surprised at how good the special effects, CGI and things look yeah. for what was at the time quite a low-budget movie, really. Yeah. And putting my nostalgic cap on, as I always do, it was a, a movie that was driven by fans wanting it to be made. Exactly, yeah. Right. yeah. And it was pushed over the line by, you know, by loads of people, like the four of us, who were devastated to find out Firefly had ended. And we wanted more. Yeah. And it took two years to get it there with the line, but there we did. We, we got it in the end. Right. Which was great. It was by DVD sales of the series was one of the, the big deciding factors yeah. in that because the fans just went out yeah. and bought yeah. it in droves. Yeah. I sure did. I'm sure they've done equally as well with the film coming out on DVD. Maybe it didn't. It just about made its budget at the box office. But the series and this film will always have this eternal life now because everybody will remember it for what it could have been, both the film as well as the series. Because there's questions I'd like to know. I want to know what happened to the operative at the end. Because I just think, what a fascinating character. There is nothing left to see. There's a comic where you find out what happens to him. Yeah. Oh, right. I was just about to say, I bet Gaz and Count Attackula <laughs> probably already know know about that. So <laughs> so I, I, once it gets going, that I absolutely loved. But I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that a bit further as we go through sequences and things like that. Yeah. I guess the main point for me is that I was not left in any way unsatisfied or dissatisfied yeah. with no. it as a conclusion to Firefly. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And, and for me... Similar to what you, you say about it taking off air, Turner. The film exists somewhere between TV and film. Mm. For much of it, it feels like an extended episode of a series. The opening on the bridge with Wash and Mal looks like TV coverage. Exactly. The stage in there. And then also how some of the the reveals are made quite slowly. It's almost, you know, like they're keeping something for next week's episode. But then around halfway, you feel the scale just ramp up and there's these really big action sequences that you know i don't think would look out of place in any big summer blockbuster no definitely it's really really well done in parts mm. and the cast they also step up to meet the rising action and i, I just think the the mm. ending is is yeah. a masterclass intention he's obviously learning on the job yeah and if you ever saw the commentary on the angel dvd about filming the pilot of angel but there's a great bit where he talks about how he wasted the budget because he demanded the studio let him go and film in LA so he took the crew out to film a night scene in LA and you can't see anything behind him like <laughs> angels on screen and he is in LA but he said he could we could have done it in the parking lot of the studio because you can't see fucking anything <laughs> so he, he like freely admits that he you know he wasn't a direct by trade before that like, he was a writer so right, I think he yeah. did really well with this oh yeah for sure and as you get to the end of the film and the tension's building up and you, you know there's going to be no happy ending and 
you're also like keenly aware that no character is safe. Yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah. That was a big point of yeah. contention for a lot of fans, mm. wasn't it? Wash going, yeah. Uh, yeah, or book. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that leads us neatly into the next section. Mm. So before I ask you for your highlights and favourite lines, we're going to play a little game I'm calling Are You Psychic Like Trivor Tam? <laughs> yeah? You digging that? Trivor Tam. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what's going to happen here is I'm going to share some facts about Serenity with some Goram lies thrown in to slip you up. If you think it's true, say shiny. If you think it's fake, say you can't stop the signal. <laughs> right, the first one. To put River to sleep, Dr. Simon Tam says, Eater Goram Nasmek. Shiny. Which is Russian for sweet dreams, little one. <laughs> Jump the gun there. <laughs> Russian for what? Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams, little one. You can't stop signal. You can't stop signal. It is indeed false. You jumped the gun, Gaz, and you've got egg all over your Goram face. Well, it's fortunate that I'm a big fan of egg. So he's the real winner. It doesn't sound Russian. It is actually, it is Russian, but it means okay. this is, is very it? ridiculous. Probably my pronunciation, mm. obviously. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Or his, because that is how yeah. kind of how he pronounces it. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. All right. Next one. The fruity oaty bar commercial that triggers River was inspired by The Simpsons. Mm, you can't stop the signal. Shiny. Mr. Sparkler. Yeah, shiny. Makes sense. It is very similar to the Mr. Sparkler. It is, in fact, true. Oh. Whedon said that he wanted it to be as odd as possible and that it was heavily inspired by... Mr. Sparkle oh, in the okay. In Marge We Trust episode. Oh, yeah. Do I get a bonus point for <laughs> knowing the uh, specific <laughs> reference? Yep. Joe, I think you do. You get a bonus 0.5. Give him 10 <laughs> bonus points. <laughs> well, who gives a shit? We don't, we don't have a point. Oh, no, no. I've been, I've been marking down the results. I'm marking them down on the leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave me 10 points, baby. <laughs> I mark down the points for this little round each time I present it and it goes towards how much I respect you. Seems fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and here's where it ties into what we were just talking about. So Wash and Shepherd Book were killed off because the actors, Alan Tudyk and Ron Glass, couldn't commit to sequels. Shiny. Shiny. Can't stop the signal. That is in fact true. So Universal Pictures wanted all the main characters who would appear in the sequels to be contractually available, meaning Whedon had to find a way of getting Tudyk and Glass out of the story. Yeah. In his original script, before he knew they couldn't commit, all members of the crew survived, and Zoe and Wash promised to have children together. Which they do anyway, don't they? In the show, I think, if not in this. She says she's not so afraid of losing something that she doesn't want to try and have it. Because he's worried about raising kids in the in the world they live in. Right. But um, yeah, Whedon said that despite killing them off, that there was a strong possibility that they'd have both returned in a sequel if it was ever made. Mm. He was going to find a way. Yeah. Flashbacks, probably. Yeah. What were they too busy doing, do we think? Dodgeball. Alan Tudyk's always working. Yeah. He's in everything. Yeah, he's, he did iRobot, didn't he? Was that around about the same time? 2005, something like that. Was yeah. that Will Smith? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right, actually, it was Will Smith. He does pretty much yeah. every Disney animation he does the villain for. Frozen. Yeah. Every sitcom on TV he's in. 
he pops up loads, doesn't he? Yeah. He was a villain on Doom Patrol, yeah. the DC series. That was really good. I didn't realise he was working so much. I guess I don't yeah. see him very yeah. much. But as for Ron Glass, yeah. only thing I've ever seen him in, apart from Firefly, was one episode of Friends where he played Ross's divorce attorney. I've heard it was because he liked playing two penny flicks against the pavement too much and he couldn't tear himself away <laughs> from doing that. So that's why he got... What are it now? Yeah. It's hideously addictive. Gets the curb. Yes! Just one Wrong more glass round. wins again. Just one more round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our favourite moments. Countertacular, please kick us off. Jeez. Well, there were a lot of great fun moments in this, but my favourite moment, weirdly, which I hated the first time I saw it, but the more times I watch it, the more it, the power of the moment gets me is on Miranda when River is psychically feeling all the nothingness and she curls up mm. in a ball and prays that God will make her a stone. Yeah, it's a really powerful performance. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. And actually, the discovery of Miranda and the origin of the Reavers was actually initially intended to be the climax of the second season of Firefly. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. In the series that it was the whole uh, shadow of the Reavers, wasn't it, really over the whole series. You didn't really, didn't really yeah. see an awful lot of them. What was interesting about the Reavers in, in the series is that you just feel like they're just another kind of random evil put in there and you don't realise how tied into the universe they're gonna be. Mm. Right. It feels like they're just a threat that, that just happens to be there. Right. You don't feel the intention behind it at first. It's really, really well done. I think you need that gradual build of tension to watch the series first, then watch the film, and that that actually heightens the impact, the reveal of the Reavers' house. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like the reveal, plot-wise, that they were created by the Alliance experimenting to make the population docile. But there's something mm-hmm. quite evocative about the concept that, they initially went within the series before the reveal. People who reached the edge of the universe and it drove them insane. Yeah. That there was no greater meaning behind everything. I think that's a really interesting yeah. concept yeah. for a villain. So I think it's a slight shame that that was lost, but but it is a good reveal. Ties into the theme of faith as well, doesn't it? Because mm. Mal yeah. begins the series as a man of faith and loses his faith in the Battle of Serenity and the driving force of his arc in this film is him finding faith in something which gives him yeah. the, the power, not, not in a higher power, but in something worth fighting for. But I think this version does it with the other big theme, freedom. So Mal's lifestyle versus the lifestyle of the residents of Miranda who have all their liberty taken away from them. Mm. Yeah. Gaz, any favourite moments? The opening sequence, how all the exposition is laid out. So you start... On the Universal logo, the traditional globe, which then zooms in to see that Earth has been ravaged with a voiceover telling us that we've moved to a new solar system. But then that turns out to be a teacher in a classroom with young River and Simon being educated about recent history, which then turns out to be River being experimented on in a lab (laughs) and she's reliving this lesson. Then Simon busts in and rescues it. And then it turns out that it's a security video who the bad guy, the operative, is watching of the escape. And then we move into him torturing Michael Hitchcock. It's bordering on too many reveals that this isn't as it seems, but it's also very audacious and quite brilliantly put together at the same time. It is fantastic. It's handled really well. It could come off silly in in a lesser Mm. hands. Yeah. 
But are we meant to infer from that that the operative, when he started watching the playback of the security tapes, the first thing he saw was the Universal logo? And he's like, hey, what's going on here? (laughs) Right, Turner, your favorite moments, please. Three words epic space battle. Yeah, that's very good, uh, isn't it? I remember seeing it at the time and I knew it was coming and I was like, is it as good as I remember? And it was. It's fantastic. And it was the same year as The Revenge of the Sith. Right. The opening credits space battle. And I still mm-hmm. prefer Serenity coming out of the cloud, followed by the Reavers. But then um, yeah. the operative, um, Chewetelo Jafar saying, Panicking. Target Reavers, will somebody fire? And it's like, <laughs> that's great yes! because it's the first time you see him lose his cool throughout yes. the whole yeah. film isn't it yeah. and it's so worth the so wait so good so good interesting you mentioned Revenge of the Sith because one of the other things from the DVD commentaries of Firefly was Joss Whedon being super pissed off about Attack of the Clones and you know guys yeah. you're saying that stylistically mm-hmm. Serenity's different from Firefly it loses the crash zooms and stuff and that's because they appeared in Attack of the Clones and yeah. he was like, I don't understand. That's not how Star Wars looks. <laughs> Star Wars had kind of robbed it from him. Oh, right, okay. Mm. And I, I happen to really love the first 20 minutes of Revenge of the Sith. I think they're, they're as fun as anything we've got out of Star Wars. That's high mm. praise indeed. What, yeah. what, what about the other 80 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that space battle that they have, Anakin and Obi-Wan, is so balletic. It's like the lightsaber fights that they have. It's all very choreographed and, you know, they elegantly swoop around. And Whereas the battle in Serenity is so fucking dirty. Wash is like threading the needle and it's all yeah. so tense. And then you see not just like yeah. laser battles in the background, but the Reaver ships tearing other ships by spinning them around and smashing yeah. them into other ships. Yeah. yeah, It's really visceral. Yeah, The small budget is the mother of invention. And I think yeah. he, he didn't have the budget to do a huge... Star Wars type space battle. So he said, well, if we can't do that, let's focus on the moments. And there are so many great moments of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. I I think we're used to seeing like naval battles like Star Wars, Star Trek and things like that. And you see fleets engaging, you know, and it's all set piece kind of thing. Whereas this one is chaos because all the Reavers are doing are just chasing to the ship. They're faced with a genuine Navy and then... The Navy shit them pants. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. and it's ri- it's all the richer for it. That's what I, I love. I, I do yeah. love the choreography, like you say. Totally respect to the, all the hard work that went into making the opening 20 minutes of The Revenge of the Sith. But this, yeah. uh, the five minutes or whatever of this is still every time. I was going to go back and watch it again because I was I just loved it so much. Well, it's just fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was that kind of scene that obviously convinced studios that Joss Whedon was able to handle the Marvel stuff he went on to do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, as for me, my favourite moment, and this is it's quite well, literally a throwaway moment, but it's right at the very end, and you've just been through the trauma of losing Wash and Shepherd Book. They get the ship back together and they fly off, and as it as it goes into the distance, <laughs> a little piece just flies off, <laughs> and Miles like, "What was that?" Yeah. And it, you, you kind of know everything's back. You know, it's not how exactly how it was, but you know, life yeah. will go on, and they'll they'll persevere. Whatever. It's just a really nice moment that brings it kind of full circle. I think there's a great line. It's kind of cheesy, but Mal asks Zoe, 
you think she'll hold together? And you know he's talking about her, not the ship, yeah. but he's also talking about the ship. That's really nicely done, that. Yeah, it's, it's borderline cheesy, but I, I really like it. Uh, just since no one else mentioned it, and we were talking about the camera work being better in this, one other moment of River's power on display that I really love is at the bank heist when the camera goes off her face and tilts and then smoothly goes across oh, the floor. Really nice. Scanning all the people. And just her face as well when she points at the guy and Zoe's like, this guy? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, do you know who that guy is? No. It's uh, Glenn Howerton from It's Always oh, Sunny Oh, is it Glenn Howerton? Holy shit. Yeah, Dennis from It's Always Sunny. Ah. Wow. And I, I, I'd never realised that before and I saw it and I nearly nearly spat my cereal all over my sofa. <laughs> what cereal was it? Oh, it's a it's a nice chocolate flake granola with a hazelnuts in. That's tough to get out oh, of the sofa, that. Get you. Yeah, good job I didn't then. I held yeah. it together, just. <laughs> all right, well, an- another amazing moment featuring River is her battle with the Reavers. Yeah. Yeah. She did a lot of her own stunts yeah. as a trained dancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also the, the cameraman who followed that was also a dancer. Uh, and was yeah. moving through the gaps around the combatants to ah. achieve the dynamic camera angles. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. She played a ballerina on Angel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Stuck on the stage yeah. eternally. Yeah. A bit like doing this bloody podcast, isn't it? Hey. Hey. Oh. Hey. hey. What was she in? Dollhouse? A doctor? A doll? A house? Both. <laughs> she was a former doll who'd been uh, scarred, so yeah. could no longer be used as a doll. So they um. reprogrammed her mind to be a doctor. Yeah. Dollhouse is great, but it's so fucked. Mm-hmm. That was another one where it would have been interesting to see where they were going with it because it was weird. They tried to wrap it up because they knew they were getting cancelled and it does have a sort of finale. Uh, okay. The future episode. Yeah, mm. I think it would have been really good, but I think it was just too dark for like network TV. There's so many great performances in this and obviously the main actors from the crew are all stitched together. You can see they've got a rapport with each other, but Summer Glau is the powerhouse in this because she has to go through so many different things and she plays the innocent child and then she's the tormented adolescent then she's the killing machine then she's like the comic relief it's just unbelievable so hats off to her for that yeah she's uh she's wonderful yeah another special mention for uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor as the villain I think he's fantastic yeah what a great villain ice cold the next bloody bond I tell you yeah. Ice <laughs> cold. Yeah. What a great role for him, though, because what a compelling villain. He's evil, yeah. but he knows he's evil, and he believes he's a necessary evil, and he's yeah. not beyond changing his mind. Mm. That's the real difference. Yeah. yeah. The fact that at the end, he questions what he's been doing. You don't see that, do you? No, because he, he just wants to be pure, doesn't he? Because that was his whole mission. And, you know, it's, it's hard writing a baddie winning ending when really he's already won. Because he's he's managed to survive and he's richer for knowing the actual truth is out there now. But he, his faith's been shattered though, hasn't it? So he's had, he's had the parallel but opposite arc to Mal. Mm. Everything yeah, he believed exactly. is just gone. Yeah, but at the same time as well, I think he feels he, he seems at the end he's at peace as well. He's like he's been freed, hasn't he? You know, he he can see. I, that's one way to interpret it. But for me, what I took from it is that he's just. He's gone. He, there's nothing left of him. He says there's nothing left to see. And... Yeah, that's how I took it as well. I don't think either interpretation is wrong. But no, uh, no, no, it's just obviously it's open to. Yeah, that's it. It's this great thing about when there's an open end like it is, and obviously the, mm. the comics you and Gaz have read 
will probably tell different tales as well, maybe. But it is great. I love those type of endings. And, and again, it's one of those that it, it leaves you wanting more. And I did want more from that character. And, and well, obviously from the rest of the crew as well, because I still think there's there's a, a big story to tell. Oh, and I have listened to some audiobooks as well on Serenity. Oh, right. Oh, right. Didn't know they'd done them. There's quite a few novels out there, but they're so-so. Hmm. It would be quite difficult to do a sequel without Joss Whedon, but in terms of the cast, I feel like the window's still open for them to do it. Ah, Nathan Fillion's Green Lantern now. you got time for the small fry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slap a bit of uh, tar on Adam Baldwin's head to black it up a bit. <laughs> That'd be a thing he may enjoy in his private time, blacking up. You don't know, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean it like that, Peril Pals, but... <laughs> Just let them be old and let them have lived the lives yeah. that they've lived and where are they now? Yeah, it would be interesting. All right, well, Adam, share with us your favourite line, if you would be so good. I swallowed a bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the timing. Beautiful. I, for the first time, I have no idea what people are going to pick. There's there's loads. It's too many. I've got an honourable mention after everybody else has said their line because it was between. there was a toss-up between that and another one but I'll, I'll say that one for now sure let's go to gaz next uh i've chosen for delivery more than the line itself and it's the bank teller at the start once they get access <laughs> to the safe and he goes yeah the brown codes eh? what the wire for independence <laughs> he sounds like such a, a brilliant cliche of a, an old-timey yeah. western they say hey, wait thousand pounds i thought you were going to say the guy in the vault when he says I need your passcode, and he shoots the gun. He goes, yeah. "Okay, okay." <laughs> well, that that whole sequence is great. The negotiating about the uh, the gun wound. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Cal what's your favourite line? Going on a year I ain't had nothing twixt my nethers. Went run on batteries. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant line. Uh, yeah. And actually, a bit spooky, as you'll <laughs> yeah. you'll see soon. Uh-oh. Oh, I see. Oh. Your plans about Ooh. dildos and vibrators, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of them. <laughs> great. <laughs> Many of them flung into space. My favourite is uh, a little interaction between Mal and Jane. Good, that was one of my others. <laughs> you want to run this ship? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can't. That reaction <laughs> from Mal. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he was not expecting that comeback. It's amazing. Yeah. Another yeah. brilliant Jane one. Zoe says to him, Do you really think any of us are going to get through this? And he says, well, I might. Yeah. <laughs> so good. The one I was going to say, my honourable mention, and I think it's the best to and fro throughout the film, is when Jane and Mal are having the big argument and then Jane steps over the line and says about the Battle of Serenity Valley. And he says, how many? You know, and then mm. Zoe just says, you want to leave this room? And he just knows straight away and goes, yep, and just fucks off. <laughs> yeah. But it's also that highlights to me as well, as much as Jane is a massive arsehole, they fight like family all the time. So they have these huge bust-ups where they where they overstep the line and stuff, but then they reconcile. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Desperate to cover up the horrors of the unethical experiments they have been conducting. The Alliance sends the deadly operative to capture River and silence the crew of the Serenity, pursuing them across the galaxy, eliminating all known associates and setting trap after trap, all to no avail. 
Count Attacula, what did you think of the Alliance's plan to stop the secret from getting out? Yeah, it's not much of a plan. I think it's more of their faith in the man to do the job, but because they obscure things from him, that actually becomes a detrimental factor for him because he's he doesn't understand Mal as an opponent for one thing, and he doesn't really understand what he's dealing with with the crew and and what they mean to each other and how far they'll go. So I don't think they really have a plan to speak of, and he's operating too much in the dark to formulate one of his own. Okay, Adam. Well, I think um, for me, it's like they've got this one of the ultimate deadly weapons, I guess. And he's probably either like an earlier version or a later version than, well, I guess an earlier version than River, isn't he? And he's nails. And basically it's like firing off a, a missile. Seek and destroy. And the only mistake he makes is he's not thorough enough. He doesn't get the backup generator or the backup system, does he, with Mr. Universe? Right. He's probably potentially he's over overconfident. He's thinking he's he's got this guy. Just get rid of all his gear and that'll be it. But he's not. He's he's got complacent. When you said back instead of backup generator, I thought you were gonna say about Mal's back. He should have read his medical record, realized he couldn't do his uh, <laughs> stroke punch on him. <laughs> got no nerve endings. Cluster got moved. Oh, when I come to kill him, I'll just have to snap his neck like they do normally. <laughs> <laughs> Famously dead easy to do, as we know from films and TV, of course, to snap a man's neck. He's got to do that. Oh, yeah. There you go. He's got to flick, <laughs> flick the chin a bit. Yeah. Well, Gareth, what did you think of the villain's plan? Yeah, similar to the other two fellas, I think the Alliance putting everything into one Black Ops-style agent is quite a foolish thing for them to do, considering the resources at their disposal. And they shouldn't really be surprised that this one man, yeah, he's got grunts at his disposal, but they need maybe a few more few more minds on the job, a few more, few more agents. Maybe, maybe that might come into my plan. Time will tell. A peek behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. A little sneak preview there. I guess the reason for that is they want as few eyes on it as possible, don't they? Right. It's their big secret. Just kill them afterwards. That's the issue. Oh, wow. That was really good. Really good. Hey, what's that over there? (laughs) Shoot them in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but imagine if that went wrong. Imagine if you, like, look over there and you pull a gun, but because it's the operative... He's already seen you pulling it. He chops your gun hand off. You fucked, aren't you? Spray the spray the blood in his eyes. And then <laughs> stab him. As the gun's dropping from one hand, catch it with the other hand and go bang. <laughs> it's like the start of uh, Code Veronica. <laughs> well, I'd have to agree. I think similar to what Count Attacula said there, his lack of understanding of how far Mal is willing to go and the crew for something they believe in is what really lets him down. And as Adam said, he was a bit sloppy in terms of the backup broadcast system. But he was very devious going around and rooting out all known associates. I thought that was a clever move, trying to burn them, smoke them out, if you like. So I will give him seven florets of intergalactic broccoli. What colour is that intergalactic broccoli? White, it's pure white. But if you put it next to a prism, it will split into seven separate (laughs) colours. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Before we move on, we'd like to ask you to take a moment to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on the very platform you were listening on. 
It only takes a moment, but it really gives us the tingly feeling in our groins that helps us keep making these. So come on, make someone's groin tingle today. <laughs> you should have said PS by not touching them. Please add that in. Can't take a look. This is the part of the show where we compete to see who can come up with the best evil scheme to earn much-coveted peril points for the Diabolical Leaderboard. We'll each share an alternative plan and vote for our favourite at the end. The Alliance sends the deadly operative to capture River and silence the crew of the Serenity. But the poor bloke doesn't have much luck against Mal and his crew of misfits. Gaz, what would you have done differently? The operative is attending a meeting of intergalactic nameless bounty hunters sipping from a space china teacup. (laughs) Interestingly, it's filled with coffee. Remember that little detail for later. It will not be important. (laughs) Sat around the table are the telemarketer who has fallen asleep, the pooper scooper and the jizz mopper. All three rightly aggrieved that the operative drew the one cool name from the bowler hat of scrunched up paper, yet remained professional and dead set on helping their colleague prevent the Alliance's secret from being revealed to the verse. I've been following this trail from planet to planet trying to find those damnable Tams, and I've mustered nothing more than an interrogation video. If I was able to become angry, I would be absolutely fumming says the operative calmly. Why chase them all round bleeding univer... I mean, verse, queries the jizz mopper in his gruff naughty <laughs> tone. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> what the bleeding hell are you talking about? Chips in the pooper scooper with his gentle cockney baraboy lilt. <laughs> I refer, my little chickadee, to Miranda. The jizz mopper resorts in his gruff North Yorkshire tone. Couldn't do it then for some reason. Couldn't do the accent. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you say it, they'll believe it. Don't worry. <laughs> the failed colony, the terraforming failed, did it not? The operative is intrigued and leans forwards in his space chair. The jizmopper's mouth curls upwards into a sickly grin. I consider myself to be a scholar of new history, and I've been looking into Miranda. The failed colony, the terraformer failed, did it not? The operative is intrigued and leans forward a bit more in his space chair. <laughs> ah, that's what SpaceGov wants you to think. The truth about the colony is so much worse, the jizmopper says in his gruff North Yorkshire tone. The colony? The failed colony? The terraforming failed, did it not? The operative is intrigued and leans so far <laughs> forwards in his space chair that he falls off onto the floor. <laughs> This bit really made me laugh when I was writing it. (laughs) (laughs) He falls off onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And onto his back like a turtle. He's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Uh, There's two more senses. And has to be uprighted by a butler robot. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's all very out of character. But, you know, it's very comical. <laughs> Go blimey, Governor. I thought you was brand bread then, interjects the pupa scooper unhelpfully. They ignore him as he stares at his <laughs> as he stares at his fingernails attempting to appear nonchalant, but really he's dying inside. <laughs> in any case, continues the jizz mopper in his gruff North Yorkshire tone. You know how them reavers are clustered just outside Miranda's orbit? That's something to do with Alliance's secret, but I'm not sure what. But I reckon the answer lies planet side. Well, that, that stands to reason, I suppose. I always did find it odd that it was the one planet that didn't take to terraforming and that it was strictly forbidden to go there and that Reavers gather there specifically, says the <laughs> operative thoughtfully and now fully upright, of course. What course of action do you suggest, O oh wise jizz mopper? Happen we launch a load of nukes and wipe the planet off the face at verse. What's the worst that could happen? Best case scenario, you prevented our boss's big secret being revealed. Worst case scenario, an uninhabitable planet no longer exists. Win-win. But where would I gain access to such weaponry? Comes fitted standard on all of our ships, don't it? Yes, of course. The operative pauses and thinks for a moment. I'll do it. I'll blow up Miranda, he says. As we see, he has already done so like Homer Simpson, pondering whether <laughs> to rob the quickie mart. Once again, very out of character, but actually quite funny. <laughs> we got through it. Well done. So, just to check, so the jizz mopper, he speculates, not without evidence, but he just comes to the conclusion by himself that Miranda is the Alliance's secret. He has no knowledge that it is. He's a wise jizz mopper. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What are the other two bounty hunters doing during this discussion? Uh, the um, the telemarketer is asleep because what happened was I couldn't be bothered writing another person's dialogue. Doing more accents. <laughs> it would have been confusing. I'd already come up with a humorous black ops name, the telemarketer. I thought, I'm not losing that. That's gold. <laughs> so he's asleep. <laughs> and the, um, yeah, the pooper scooper. He's uh, trying to crack wise and he's making a right fool of himself. (laughs) (laughs) So leans too far in his space chair and falls on the floor. (laughs) His arms and legs waggling in the air. (laughs) He's just stuck. He can't move. (laughs) I forget in any of the episodes of a series, has it ever been shown that the Alliance has the capability to destroy a planet? I don't think in so. That, in that kind of Death Starry kind of way? No, I don't think so. It's not an Earth-sized planet, is it, Miranda? The colonies are all like moon-sized, aren't they? So I think you could probably, you could probably nuke a moon. That's probably the most evil thing you've ever said, Countacula. <laughs> <laughs> he just said he wants to nuke the moon, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Since the dawn of time, mankind has yearned <laughs> to destroy the moon. You, you've been watching Moonfall, <laughs> have you, recently? Oh, I've not seen yeah, it, no. It's awful. Really bad. I'm not going to bother watching it probably ever unless somebody forces me to like one of you twats (laughs) I like Button Moon that's good oh yeah Mm. I used to love Button Moon so fucking much I think we all used to love Button Moon Mr. Spoon made out of tin of beans uh, milky bar buttons they're nice they are nice can we just call the end of the episode now so I can have a good long think about Button Moon yeah, <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's do it live. Let's let the power pals share in this reverie. 
All right. If there are no further questions, we will have Adam's diabolical scheme. If he dares. I dare. I do. I dare. I dare the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He certainly has a lot of friends, old man. Too bad for him. It only means more death and destruction. Mr. Universe has been allowed to continue his broadcasts for too long. It was inevitable that his medium was to be used for subterfuge eventually. Let's not let an opportunity go to waste. The Alliance must be the only power in the galaxy, pure and without challenge. Having tracked Mr. Universe's hack of the CCTV images from the bar fight and the subsequent communication with Serenity's crew, the Alliance pay him a visit. Rather than partially or completely destroy Mr. Universe's installation, the operative has been given orders to tread a different path. He has the personnel and the resources, not just the ships and weapons. The Alliance recognises the threat of independent media. The operative orders the installation to be turned into an Alliance news station, not just a news channel, but also a garrisoned military outpost, fully equipped and ready to act. They begin their broadcasts immediately with suitably pro-Alliance themed headlines. As Serenity's crew receive the transmission from the surface of Miranda, they know Mr. Universe is no longer an option. Not just for Mr. Universe's pad though, no, this is an Alliance crackdown. High Command and Parliament are in agreement. Throughout Alliance space and the Outer Rim, hundreds of similar operations are conducted. Where resistance is met, it's simply swept aside and replaced. Independent agencies and individuals are permanently silenced. Replace by your friendly and all-knowing... Alliance News, for everything you need to know in your quadrant and across the galaxy. Our tarp story tonight, infamous privateer, independent rebel, and terrorist Malcolm Reynolds has taken a terrible step in his refusal to accept the outcome of the war and Alliance efforts to bring peace to the galaxy. That's right, Tom. Reynolds has crossed into Reaver space and has somehow managed to bring an armada of Reaver ships with him to raid across the Alliance space. A number of outlying settlements have already been targeted, and our shocking pictures show he and his crew have led the charge of ships and decorated their own ship in the macabre fashion of the Reavers. Pictures of Serenity at the front of the Reaver ships appear on screens across space. The pictures speaks for themselves. Serenity's crew have thrown their lot in with the Reavers. This doesn't look good for Serenity. With many of their friends already dead, they truly have no safe haven in which to hide and no place to transmit the signal. Ooh, very nice. The one note I have made is mm-hmm. um, gimmick. I've just written gimmick. 
<laughs> Is that because you can't be bothered to make them? Yeah. So I wanted to make a fruity oaty bar style ad, but in the end, I just thought I can't be bothered with that. <laughs> no, I um, I think that's a really good idea. It did cross my mind, but I didn't. It didn't fully form in my mind. But yeah, propaganda from from there seems like a good idea. Propaganda bastards! They're doing it everywhere, aren't they? Is bringing Mal to everybody's attention a good idea, or is uh, leaving him as a sort of semi-anonymous cad better? I think it's good to bring him to the forefront, and I'm just going to put that in now before my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do. I think the Serenity has been raiding various places, hasn't it, and stealing light and stuff for a while. And he's been this constant pain in the arse for them. And now they're finding out there's something else going on and there's Mr. Universe and they're trying to get something out there. They don't fully appreciate what it is yet, but then they're given the opportunity to turn this whole shit show into something good. And then it just brought, I thought, well, what does those pictures show with the Serenity coming out? And then all the ships behind him, it's like fuck, and it's perfect propaganda because yeah. nobody, nobody's going to go. Oh well, oh, but maybe, oh, maybe he's doing this. But we live in a world of constant propaganda, and yet people like us do question it in our world. So, do you think that people mm. in the world of of Serenity would question the waves? Not enough, though. In our world, there's only maybe twenty percent of people actually sort of question, and then there's less people again, probably. You're talking single digits will actually do anything about it. So I think well, the, yeah. the numbers of people are willing to just accept things at face value. I took inspiration from real life. Yeah. And it's it's pretty damning evidence, isn't it? The mm-hmm. the ship decorated as a Reaver right. ship is pretty damning. I mean, Gaz, look how stony-faced Gaz is. <laughs> Gaz is how damning it is. Hey, maybe he was right. <laughs> yeah, he's rethinking how he feels about Malcolm Reynolds right now. That film, now, are you going to... Gonna write rewrite your letterbox review. No, it's just striking me how you can frame it as Mal's like a libertarian, isn't it? Yeah. We all know what libertarians mm. like in our world. Right. Leonies. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Literally just clock that then. <laughs> well, if there are no further questions for Adam, we will move on to Count Attacula's plan. You have to open with payment. That is a trap. I offer money, you'll play the man of honour and take umbrage. I ask you to do what is right and you'll play the brigand. I have no stomach for games. The operative really doesn't understand Mal at this point, but he does almost stumble on his weakness when he threatens to destroy his firefly without quite fully understanding what it represents to him. You can't take the sky from me. The truth is, Mal can't afford to dismiss the idea of payment. He shows us this in the opening heist when he makes the decision to leave the man behind rather than the take. Yeah, but remember the part where it's a trap? If that's the case, then Inara's already caught in it. Take my love. If your quarry goes to ground, leave no ground to go to. Take my land. So, you all know the song, what comes next? Take Mal where he cannot stand? The operative sends a wave to his colleagues at Alliance headquarters. I need the biggest bouncy castle you have. (laughs) No, that's too big. (laughs) He grins to himself as he pictures Captain Reynolds trying to walk on the slippery cushion. Oh, listen, forget it. 
I need you to issue me five million credits. I'm going to make Captain Reynolds an offer he can't refuse. Give up the Tams in exchange for a lifetime of financial freedom. No more perilous missions for his crew. Enough money for a hundred bouncy castles, should he want them. (laughs) No more looking over their shoulders. We'll do this as men, not with fire. His superiors approve his plan, but they don't leave anything to chance. They have a more diabolical idea. They have a notion where Captain Reynolds will be headed next, and send their man ahead. They tell him it's imperative that he does not make landfall on Miranda. He's only there to boot up some of the Atmo systems. It's the Pax. When the crew of Serenity arrives on Miranda, they will either lie down and die, or they will succumb to their aggression and become Reavers. The operative will never know this, only that his mission was success, and he has made a better world. All of them. Better worlds. Especially his world. He uses his creds to buy a small moon and fills it with bounty castles and spends all of his days (laughs) jumping and laughing and patching up sword punctures. (laughs) I'm very pleased you put in that's too big. (laughs) (laughs) So who did the pack? Because I missed that bit. The operative doesn't know what happens. It's still the operative. They send him to Miranda, but he doesn't need to make landfall he is able to remotely reactivate the air systems. Okay. They're in like a local area network. Mm. He needs to be in orbit, but he's able to reactivate them from there. Doesn't really know what they do. Doesn't ask questions. Just turns the packs back on. Mm. Would he not infer that perhaps this is something to do with this secret if he knows? He doesn't ask questions. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's a company man. Does what he's told. Does he know they're going to Miranda though? They think that he might go there because they know what River knows, right? Uh, they don't know, do they? Because she was in a room with politicians. That's what they're worried about. He says, you know, the secrets aren't his concern. Yeah, but that's their big secret. That's the one they want to keep covered up. Right. Okay. So they think worst case scenario. Yeah. Worst case scenario, she knows about Miranda. Okay. Yeah. And the way that I described how they turn on the stuff remotely, that's flawless and you don't need to probe that any further. <laughs> Bluetooth probably is it? <laughs> yeah, pairing fails. <laughs> you know you can get those claws where there's like a handle and you squeeze the handle and the claw closes. There's a really long one of them. <laughs> Deploy claw and you just hear it going for like four hours because <laughs> it extends to the planet's surface. He's <laughs> just got to close one eye to get, to get his aim right. <laughs> That's the difficult bit. Uh, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> From orbit. <laughs> he gets out like a little plastic telescope to have a look as well. It extends about that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's put like black marker on the end and he takes it off and he's got black ring. <laughs> and everybody's giggling. <laughs> Would they have to cross Reaver space to get to the planet? Yeah. Yeah, they would. They would, yeah. Yep. <laughs> slippery, slippery catacular. Or would they just use a the, the very a very long um litter picker just to gradually poke through Reaver space? Yeah, so the length of the claw. <laughs> oh, stop there. The Reavers has seen us, wait a minute. Don't do it. Now go. <laughs> 
I reckon what they do is they take three to five ships, send the first yeah. four in, and the uh, Reavers are busy tearing them up, and he sneaks around the back. Pretty sneaky operative. Check, mate. <laughs> Seriously, though, what you can be sure of is that I definitely thought about the fact they'd have to go through Reaver space to get to Miranda. <laughs> and had the answers to back them. <laughs> You did. Counterattacking his personal guarantee, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a guarantee. No guarantee. <laughs> All right, I will bring us home. Minutes before Mal's broadcast, the operative updates head office. Upon hearing the news, the Alliance comms team starts having an absolute shit fit. <laughs> Senior management <laughs> is leaping from rooftop, shouting. There's no way we can spin this. Several bespectacled interns huddled together, sobbing. It's pandemonium. Suddenly, a tidal wave of silence crashes over the room. All eyes turn to see a bulbous figure emerging from his ovoid office. Get the cameras rolling, he says, curling the loose strands of his wig on top of his head like tobacco-stained candy floss. But, sir, says one of the surviving comms people, we need to align our messaging. One mistake and it could be the end for us. Leave it to me. This is what I do. Bigly. (laughs) He strides into the studio, waits for the red light and begins. My fellow citizens, I'm here today to address allegations made by Malcolm Reynolds, a dummy, a very bad hombre, who is trying to destroy our great alliance. Reynolds claims that the alliance is hiding a number of dark secrets from you, the public. But I can tell you, folks, that these allegations are 100% fake news. (laughs) Reynolds is a liar and a loser who is just trying to make himself look important. Reynolds has a long history of making false and misleading statements. He has been accused of everything from fraud to theft to murder. He is very deranged and should not be trusted. The secrets that Reynolds claims to have uncovered are not real. He is simply trying to stir up trouble and divide our people. I urge you to ignore his lies and focus on the real issues facing us. We need to come together as a people and build a better future for our children. We cannot let Reynolds divide us. The Alliance is the greatest alliance in the history of alliances, and we have done more for our people than any other alliance in history. We have brought peace and prosperity to the galaxy. We have defeated our enemies and protected our people. But we cannot let Reynolds destroy our great alliance. We must stand together and fight back against his lies and his propaganda. We must show the galaxy that the Alliance is strong and united. We must show the galaxy that we will not be divided. Thank you, and may God bless the Alliance. He's a loser. Malcolm Reynolds, he's a loser. Excuse me, excuse me. Fake news, fake news. He's a loser. There's some kind of cross between (laughs) Trump and Churchill. I was going for Trump, Nixon and Churchill, yeah, that kind of... Yeah. That's the kind of guy I see heading up the Alliance. The guy on South Park who... I'm above the law! (laughs) Keeps gluing his hair back on. <laughs> so yeah, in in short, they just get ahead of it. What percentage of people are believing this propaganda? Do you think? 
Oh god. Just just, a, just a... right up there. <laughs> 70. 70, 80 percent. Yeah. Just think, right? If you're living on a one of the core planets run by the yeah. Alliance, you are kind of predisposed to believe these things because you don't want the opposite to be true, right? So it's easier for you to believe, even if deep down you don't. You you fool yourself. It's the it's the human way. Do you think an address by a significant leader of the Alliance or the leader of the Alliance? is more believable than tangible evidence in the form of video of serenity at the head of a armada of reaver ships? <laughs> That's a very specific question. E- yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no further questions. This interview is over. <laughs> all I will say is we all know how much we trust our politicians. Yes. And so... With that in mind, this plan is foolproof. <laughs> Fair enough. We don't hear, do we, in Firefly or Serenity about any kind of president or anything? Or Oh, yes, because he only gets rolled out on very special occasions. <laughs> he's going to be in season two, Joss Whedon said. He's definitely going to be in season two. Yeah, when somebody's trying to scramble around for peril points, that's when he gets wheeled out, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when there's a desperate clamour for votes, he trudges out of his office. <laughs> Truth be told, I'd written that as he comes out after Mal's wave had gone out. And then I thought, oh shit, no, that's not what the goal is. <laughs> so I have to go back and redo it. <laughs> you forgot the goal you set. I forgot the goal that I set, yeah. <laughs> All right, my goodness. Some truly diabolical schemes there. Now it's time to vote for our favourite. As a reminder, we had Gaz's multiple operative Miranda Massacre. Adam's Alliance Media Spin Doctoring, Countertacular's Pax Pact, and Ben's Bigly Political Intervention. Remember, each vote is worth exactly one point for the leaderboard. No more. And everyone? No. Certainly uh, no less. less. Not less. No less. Perfect. Perfect. I'm sure we'll <laughs> fix that in the edit. <laughs> all right. If we are all ready. Countertacular, would you care to reveal who you have voted for? I voted for the plan I think is the most diabolical and dastardly and clever. Adam! Oh! Oh. Congratulations, Adam. And who have you voted for, Adam? I have voted for the plan that almost cracked me up, which is Gaz. And Gaz, who have you voted for? Teams have frozen. Oh, yes, yes, I'm going to assume he's voted for me and we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. And what was your vote? My vote. Well, I had a little thought. And this is what I thought. Uh, up, up. Says Adam. Uh, in a, nice. In a I like bubble. it. Yeah, I like uh, it. In two ways. Uh, I like it in two ways. Oh, I get cool. it. Very good. Pretty cool. Yeah, I get it. Very good. That's very clever. And I voted for the plan that I thought, in its essence, was probably the most sensible, and I don't understand why they didn't do it in the first place. I vote for Gwaz. Gwaz. Ah, Gwaz. Ah, okay. Interesting. I mean, if if they'd have just destroyed the planet in the first place, yeah, they wouldn't have had anything to worry yeah. about, would they? But it was it served two purposes as well, though, didn't it? The Reavers were more or less contained, and then they served as a, a bogeyman, didn't they, as well? Hmm. So, guys, tell us. What does that do to the diabolical leaderboard? Well, it's changed very, very slightly. So, 
Remaining in the lead with 19 points is Count Attacular. <gasps> oh, it's me. Yes. Shooting into singular second place is Adam with 19. Wait, what? what? Ah! You said I had 19. Oh, my God. Can he be oh, my God. It's joint oh! first place. Oh. I didn't even clock that. Adam and Count Attacular, oh, wow. joint first place. Oh, wow, wow, we were. Neck and blood sucking <laughs> neck. I don't think Adam's here to appreciate what's happened. Oh, man. We've got to tell him. No, keep it from him. <laughs> Tune in next week, Adam, to find out where you are on the leaderboard. We're going to do that section again. So prepare yourself mentally and physically. So, Gaz, what does that do to the diabolical leaderboard? Well, Ben, big change here. In joint first place with 19 points each are Count Attacular and Adam. Wow. In second slash third place is Ben with 17 points. And in third slash fourth place with 16 points is myself. Oh. It's very close. It's really tight. Really tight. But I think just for clarity and. Making it less confusing, we should say that Ben's in third, and what we should say instead of fourth, the Gaz is that you're in last. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to call it like dead last, just to re- emphasise it? Or in dead last is your humble <laughs> co-host, me, Gareth Gaz Slade. <laughs> BA honours. All right. <laughs> so that's uh, with two episodes left to go in the season. It's all it's all heating up. Countacular next week you are hosting. So please tell us what film you are commanding us to watch. Well, we've got a couple of traditions around here at Diabolical Podcast. Recent traditions, only two seasons old, but traditions nonetheless. (laughs) One of them is that every season we do a Batman film. Now, if you've seen the Flintstones movie, you'll know. Halle Berry plays a character called Sharon Stone in the Flintstones movie. And so, of course, the movie we'll be doing is Batman from 1989, (laughs) directed by Tim Burton, starring Billy Crystal. As the eponymous man made of bats, and he can separate into many bats. He's not a man who is a bat, he's a man made of bats. Yeah, you don't have to tell me, I wrote the book on it. That was you? Yeah. All right, well, that's it for another episode. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform of choice so you never miss an episode. But most importantly, leave us a lovely little review and tell your friends about us. If you don't, there's a strong chance that the four of us will have to go back to turning tricks on the unforgiving streets of Western Supermare. You will stop doing that. For opinionated nonsense throughout the week, follow us on all the social medias including the trendiest of them all, Twix Talks at DiabolicalPod. Join us next time when we'll be dissecting Tim Burton's take on the Dark Knight. And as always... Oh God! Oh God, we're all going to die! Take, take my, my love, take, take my hands, take, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. 
take me out to, to the black. black. Tell them I ain't coming back. Burn, Burn the land and boil the sea. You can take the sky from me. There's no place I can be since I found serenity. You can't take the sky from me. Well, that was beautifully done. Perfect. Oh, is that little Wolverine T-shirt you got there? It's various Marvel characters. Oh, that's marvellous. Iron on, man. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to a couple of personal questions. We'll start with uh, Gaz here. Is it going to be, have I ever fingered a dog's ass or something like that? Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> What's the strangest creature I've fingered? Tell us nearly Ralph to Salisbury steak. <laughs> Right, Gaz. <laughs> the Reavers, the bloodthirsty former humans who stalk deep space looking for prey, are known for their fierce looks and self-mutilation. How many of your nipples are currently pierced? Uh, well, on last count, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six nipples, and only five of them are pierced. So, ah, okay. Which ones Pretty are still answer. producing milk? <laughs> the, the pierced ones are the ones that produce milk, obviously, because you can just pull the piercing to milk me. Oh. <laughs> it's easy to get good purchase. Oh, thank you for your, uh, for your candor. Adam. Yes. Captain Reynolds clearly has feelings for licensed companion Inara. Have you ever proposed to a hooker? <laughs> Why do I always get the sexual questions? It's not what is it about? Because you're a me? very, very sexual man. No. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll take that in the positive light that I hope it was uh, projected in. Uh, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> thank you for your candor. And countertacular. Here's the spooky part. In the movie, Kaylee announces that it's been nearly a year since she's had something betwixt her legs that Whoa. didn't run on batteries. How long has it been for you? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, how long have we been going for now? About an hour? <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock it till you tried it, Peril Pals. 